Blog Talk Radio. Wilmington 
Rias Ryan. So let me take a moment of silence for all of them. Names we can't remember all right now, but we should remember we story and go and make sure they ain't going to be no more. We're so glad they're gonna chill in the join we for this year lit broadcast. You know we got storm and thing going all up and true to gully get your nation and thing like that. Eh? So some of the time when this year thing forced to grind on, we had a little bit of glitches from time to time and thing like that because of that. But now the water done going on, buddy business, so we can get on the air. So for all the hundred children, we're trying to tune in seven o'clock this evening. Thank you, thank you for tuning back in now at this year time, most nine o'clock this evening instead. And for all the hundred children who never tune in for now, this year the queen quite head upon the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. So glad if I be the hostess one more again at Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. This year's show sponsored by the Gullah Geechee Sea Coalition. Where hundred can find right there all the time at www.gullahgeechee.net. Gullahgeechee.net. And so, so glad to be this year week going into Heritage Days week. Right, ya? Pun historics and tell now and thing like that for the tutty tutty year in a row. We got this year thing to grind on. And so we're so glad that plenty of people are coming down here for this year and thing like that. So, Hunter Children, make sure you go event right, get your VIP passes and thing like that. For day of this year week, we kick off Thursday at 3 o'clock. Gwine on true to Saturday night. So, Hunter Children, you won't miss none of that. And you can gwine right there to event right and get your tickets and thing like that. And so, while we to do this year, right here upon St. Helena Island, plenty other things to gwine on through of the Gullah Geechee Nation. And one of the things we're going to have on Sea Island Film Fest, going on right at the Centelna Library, Friday and Saturday. So Friday, that thing will be early, 9 a.m. to noon, because after that, 1 o'clock, we got the Gullah Geechee Research and Gullah Geechee Root Symposium going on right there in the library. Then Saturday, the thing going to start off 11 o'clock after the Heritage Day Parade and going on to the end at 5 o'clock at the end of the Heritage Days. So we're so glad that Hunter Chillum, if you ain't get all the info for now, you can always email me to g u l l a o l dot com, g u l g e c o at aol dot com, and we can fill Hunter in or send you the links and things like that for you get your ticket and things for coming to the Heritage. But the Film Fest will be free right up on Centelna Island at the uh, landmark Centelna Library. Now, plenty of time, Hunter Chillin won't see this thing nowadays. Y'all ain't fussing on read plenty of things like that. So that's why we got so much of filmmakers and things that make up all these uh, movie and things. Some the B-movie, for truth. Tell the truth. Chain the devil. Some a documentary. That is the part where Hunter can get it more, but who we to be? More a wee story. The other rest of the people ain't want cracky teeth and tell Hunter Chillin in the classroom and things like that. But for all my listeners, what they run the wall and things like that, whether Hunter is Yeti we live or Hunter is Yeti we from the archives, we want to make sure Hunter understand and all stand all of what we the crack we teeth about this evening. So that's why I'm going to speak in this language. Because a lot of people nowadays are seeing all kinds of films made B movies, action movies, suspense, all of these things, thrillers. But a lot of people do not watch documentaries. But the documentaries have been a source and a resource for truly telling our story to people around the world. And so it is now a blessing and an honor to have so many native Gullah Geechis 
who are actually entering the documentary field. And there are a few things that are out here that are picked up by a lot of mainstream channels, even PBS, that pick up on things that have nothing to do with it being accurate. It has everything to do with wanting to tell a particular narrative and tell it a certain way. And if many of you will recall, there was a time in American history where people celebrated Negro History Week, Negro History Month, turned into Black History Month, some call it African Heritage Month now in February. We just left Black History Month for England last month, which was also Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Awareness Month, October. Well, during February, back in the 80s, the 90s, you could set your VCR to be prepared to capture the various documentaries that were produced for Black History Month. But if they were funded many times by the public broadcasting system, they wanted a narrative told a certain way. And if it were not told that way, the editors would have to go back to the drawing board and re-edit it in order for it to get aired on that station. So then there came the cable stations like Showtime, who did their own Black History Month series of films that they would show that were a little bit more poignant, a little bit more moving for people, and that weren't the standard talking heads and weren't the same old people who were the only ones allowed to have a documentary air on PBS. Well, with the plethora of advancements in technology, Many people started to then film their own story, and thank God for YouTube, because we've seen some outstanding things that would never get national airtime actually be able to air on YouTube and on Vimeo. And so there are filmmakers that are now coming up and out of these ranks that truly are authentic filmmakers from amongst the people who have taken the time the energy, the personal expense, and put that into an investment into making sure that our story is documented and that it is known. Because unfortunately, there's an adage that says if you want to hide something from black people, put it in a book. And I'm sorry to say, because of the advent of technology such as Facebook and YouTube and Twitter especially, people don't read. Even if you put something on Facebook, you put an article link there people will not read the article. So you have to now make images like it's Instagram, put it on there, and put a very short quote, a very short snippet of our story there, and they'll like that all day long, and they'll share that all day long. But if you go ahead and you put a full-length documentary piece link on there, they might share it, never watch the whole thing. They watch the first two minutes. They used to watch the first three minutes. And then they click off. They do something else. You also have people making these viral videos that are just a few, you know, one minute long or less so that those can just move around of silliness. But if someone did this with our story, how fast would it move? How much would you share it? How much of an impact would it have on your psyche? Would it make a difference? If you say no, that's exactly the kind of person that, documentarians hope that they can at least get to see their trailer, and they hope that their trailer would inspire the person to sit through a full-length film, a full-length documentary, which is usually about an hour. And so many people now 
are embedding our story in film because people will look at images, but they won't read the book. They won't go in the archives like a true documentarian will do and research through the photographs and the newspapers and the clippings and then put that all together in a storyboard and into a storyline and interview the people that can tell the story and even have reenactment scenes in it in a vibrant way that's visceral, that makes you feel it. There is a young man that has been working to that end on our behalf here in the Gullah Geechee Nation to unveil to some, to reveal to others, to enlighten the rest of something called the Wilmington Race Riots, the Wilmington Massacre. And this young man has been here on the airwaves before for Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. And we wanted to bring him in because while we are here having our Sea Island Film Festival as part of the Heritage Day celebration on St. Helena Island, he is going to be up in his folks' part of the territory of the Gullah Geechee Nation up in North Kakalaki while we're here in South Kakalaki, and he is going to be premiering the film, Wilmington on Fire, that many of you who are global listeners help to fund to make sure that this kind of version of our story, that this narrative does have its opportunity to be told from us, for us, by us. And I am so proud to welcome back to the airwaves tonight the filmmaker himself, Brother Christopher Everett. How honored to do this evening, Brother Chris? Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's busy but blessed. How's it going with you? Oh, it's going all right. You know, just you know, just getting everything finally ready, you know, for Saturday's premiere, but it's looking real good. That's excellent. That's excellent. So now I'm just gonna go in on you right off the top. When you say premiere, is this finally the actual release of Wilmington on Fire, and are folks going to finally be able to get this on DVD? Is it coming to TV, or are you just out here teasing folks again that you know you're just going to show a few <laughs> clips and then we're going to wait another year? I mean, come on, come on with it. Oh no, no, you know we're not, you know we're not teasing. Um, you know you're finally going to see the real deal. Um, the first show of the real deal is Saturday, November 14th at 3.45 at the uh, Kukuloris Film Festival in Wilmington, N.C. Um, you know, this is like the first of many screenings we're about to start doing um, throughout the country. So we're, we're, we're excited about it. Wonderful. And so am I. So am I. Because as many of our supporters here know, we got to be the first ones to really engage an audience on the big screen with the film in Charleston, South Carolina, at our Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival. And, you know, the audience and myself were disappointed that you weren't actually there to be part of the dialogue about the film. But then we had some of the other people who were in the film to be there along with me. And the audience was very moved by the parts that they were able to see. So ever since then, folks have been keeping up with us on Twitter. They've been keeping up on Facebook to see when is this going to be out. When can they obtain a copy so that they have it for their own libraries, their own homes, their own schools, and for the community because it's such a poignant and powerful story. But for those who have not yet seen it, give us some background on Wilmington on Fire. What led you to make this documentary, and what is the heart of this story all about? 
Well, what led me to to actually do this project was, um, I say about 2008, <clears throat> I was doing a small project for a historical black boarding and day school in my hometown of Lawrenburg, North Carolina, called the Lawrenburg Institute. Mm-hmm. And the guy who runs the school now, his grandparents started the school in 1904. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me in an interview when I was filming him, when his grandparents came up to to Lawrenburg, North Carolina in 1904, you know, it was just a lot of racial tension going on. And it was just real racist and all that. So right. I'm like, okay, let me do some further research and just see what was going on you know, in Lawrenburg or throughout North Carolina during the, those times. Uh, and when I started researching, I kept running into 1898. And I just found the story fascinating because, you know, we've heard of, you know, stories like Rosewood and Tulsa yeah. before, but I'd never really heard about what happened in Wilmington. Right. And so that kind of led me down a path of wanting to do some type of project or something on, on 1898. And mm-hmm. so that's what kind of led me to wanting to, you know, do a quality film project on the subject. Right. So, so that is so about I say about 2011, you know, we mm-hmm. started uh getting some interviews and stuff together. Uh, started doing a lot of research while filming at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I would say it took about 4 years to get everything together and, you know, here we are today about to do the premiere on Saturday. Excellent, excellent. And now you've done this as an independent filmmaker, correct? Uh, yes, ma'am. So you have not had any big film house or PBS, as I mentioned earlier, or any of them back in this project. So for four years, how have you managed to actually finance four years' worth of research to get to the point where you are about to actually literally bring this to the big screen? Uh, well, I know when I first started putting this thing together, um, I pretty much, um, I would say, majority of the film was funded by just my own money, um, just by unemployment checks, uh, my savings. Um, whenever I would get a job, I'd say about 90% of my money went into the project. Um, my grandparents, I was fortunate enough you know, that my grandparents let me stay with them, you know, rent-free, so I can just put all my funds into the project. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I pretty much just used all my money to, for the project. I did a couple of crowdfunding campaigns. I did an Indiegogo campaign, i say, back in 2012. Then we raised a couple grand for that. Um, I did another one back in 2013, but it wasn't successful. And then, okay. like I said, um, outside of the crowdfunding, pretty much used my own money until earlier this year. Um, I had a, a backer. He doesn't want his name revealed, really. <laughs> but okay. um, he pretty much gave me the rest of the funds to finish the film because he was actually following. You know, he's been following the film for a couple of years now, and he's in the black history as well. And he right. reached out to me, you know, and asked, you know, did I need some help finishing the film? I said, yeah, because I don't know how I'm going to finish it, you know, because right. I got laid off from my job, and that's pretty much how I was funding the project, you know, just through my right. own money. Through your so own he, money. So he hit me up. He said, okay, how much you need? And I told him, my, you know, what, what I needed, and he said, all right, let's make it happen. And so that's how we're able to premiere this thing this week. And see, that is a powerful story, especially in, in with the context of what the story is about. Because many of my listeners who might be new to the broadcast are not fully aware of all of the history of Wilmington, North Carolina. And if you follow us on Gullah Geechee Nation on Facebook, you follow Wilmington on Fire on Facebook or even on Twitter, you'll see us consistently post and repost clips from the film. 
And in the clip where I'm in the film, I'm talking about the self-sustainability of the community of people of African descent who were largely Gullah Geechee's in Wilmington at 18, and during 1898. So we're talking about right at that end, the wind-down period of the Reconstruction Era, which we are right now 150 years since the Reconstruction Era supposedly began. And so here it is that you're talking about independent business owners right after the end of the Civil War, meaning many of these people had previously been enslaved or their parents had been enslaved. Now being property owners, business owners, the preachers, the people who are building churches, who have businesses and everything and are thriving and surviving in the port city of Wilmington, North Carolina. So now when you talk about today funding a project out of your pocket and then having a funder say, look, I've been following you. What is it you need to get this done? Okay, let's make it happen. That seems to be that same energy of those ancestors coming back because that was the spirit of the people during that time frame was what is it that we need to independently survive? What is it we need to independently build the institutions educate our people, and provide for our people right now. And just as you just mentioned, many of them didn't have jobs with somebody else because of the racial tension and other things. So they had to make do with what they got and what they had. But with what they had, they built a thriving black populace there in Wilmington. And now you had the racist folks come in and say, well, you know, y'all ain't got no business doing that, essentially. So when you say Rosewood, we can talk about Rosewood, and we can talk about a whole lot of other Black Wall Streets in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Black Wall Street, those downtown Buford, and various other places where the discrimination brought the destruction of these towns in these areas and that thriving enterprise that some don't have an example of, so they don't know how to do it today. And that's why I asked, how did you fund it? Because today, more often than not, instead of people saying, well, I see what you're doing, let me see how I can give to that, other than, like you mentioned, crowdfunding, you have people holding off. Oh, no, this is mine. Now nah, what I yeah. get is for me. You know, you got to get yours. And yeah. then they want to see you do it all alone. But the group economic factor, the group support, that's what has sustained our people over generations. So it seems to me you are picking up and now becoming an example for this generation to see that in action. Have you ever really thought about that, what you were going through and what the folks who first built up Wilmington before the race riot did? Um, kind of, sort of. I think now I am. I know when we first started doing the project, when I started funding, like I said, um, when I first started doing the project, I was unemployed and I was getting unemployment. But I know I wanted to do this film. So I said, you know what, <clears throat> I'll move back to Lawrenceburg, live with my grandparents, and use my unemployment money to get this thing going. Um, you know, I didn't, you know, realize I was just doing, you know, self-determination. I just wanted to get the project made. You know, I was willing to sacrifice and, you know, like I said, I don't really do a lot. So I was like, you know, me using majority of my money to do a film project is not going to bother me, you know. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get the project made by any means necessary. necessary. I felt that it was needed. So, right. you know, we just made it happen. 
and see that that's critical. So why would you even have that mindset? Because you could be of the generation that says, well, man, that stuff happened a long time ago. I mean, why why bother? Why read about it, much less spend your money on it so that others would read about it, see it or anything? You could be doing anything else. You could just be trying to put your money on a sports car or something. Why do this? Well, I just feel like um, I've just always been, you know, a lover of, of, of our history. Um, like I said, um, you know, remember I told you about I did that project on the Lohenberg Institute. And, you know, I've been around that type of history all my life. Like my grandfather, he attended that school. I know my godfather, he was like the alumni president. So I met like a lot of historical people that came out of school. I remember, you know, as a kid, you know, I met Dizzy Gillespie. He was a graduate of Lohenberg Institute. Um, you know, so it was, you know, I've always been around, you know, that type of history, and I've always been fascinated with it. And I like to talk about, you know, stories that, you know, haven't been really told by the mainstream, especially stories told from our point of view. So, you know, when I got the chance to, you know, to really share this type of story, you know, I pounced on it. And, you know, I just, I guess that's just, that's just how I've always been. I guess, you know, just being raised by my grandfather and grandmother, you know, they're like, a, you know, no excuses type people. You know, you got to make right. a way out of something. So I just right. took that, you know, how I was raised and just ran with it. And just used it, yes. And so it's right there in the DNA. You can't avoid it. <laughs> yeah, you can't avoid it. So now tell us on Saturday in Wilmington at this film festival, are people going to get to see the film in its entirety or are they only going to get to see a portion of it? Oh, no, you're going to see the full film, the full film, uh, 90 minutes of just straight, you know, great content, great filmmaking. You're going to see the whole film, and the film is 90 minutes long, and they'll be able to see that Saturday at the Kugelos Film Festival, and that's November 14th at 3.45. Now, is there a cost, and how? if so, how do people get tickets? If there's no cost, how do they register to be there? Well, it's a cost. It's um, $10 a ticket. And um, you can either get the ticket right there at the box office, and it's at Thalian Hall, and that's downtown Wilmington. That's where we're going to show it at on Saturday. And you can either, you know, just get your ticket when you get there, or you can go to kukaloris.org. That's C-U-C-A-L-O-U, I mean, O-R-U-S dot org. And you can just go on there, kukaloris.org, and you can just buy your tickets right there as well. Spell it again for everybody. Okay. It's a C-U-C-A-L-O-R-U-S dot org. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure when you did that change in the lettering that they got it right. Yeah. So C-U-C-A-L-O-R-U-S dot org, and the film is Wilmington on Fire. That's going to be showing this coming Saturday, this coming Saturday, November the 14th, 3.45 p.m., Wilmington, North Kakalaki. Make sure that you go to that website. Go ahead, get your tickets now. And you heard it here. You are going to get to see the entire film, 90 minutes of actually seeing this play out on screen, seeing the connections, the dynamics, the backdrop, the storyline of what actually happened with the building up of Wilmington, North Carolina, by our own people, and then having it torn down, burned down, destroyed in 1998 in what is called the Wilmington Race Riots and the Wilmington Massacre. Now tell us about some of the people that you chose to interview for this film. 
and why did you choose some of the people that you did choose to be the, as many would say in the documentary world, the talking heads, uh, but the historians for this particular project? Well, I got, um, you know, yourself, Queen Quet, you're in the film. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Umar Johnson in the film. We have uh, Larry Rennie Thomas. He's a historian on, on the topic as well. We have Kent Chatfield. He's an independent researcher. We have Larray Umfleet. She actually has, she actually was the person behind writing the, the official state report on 1898, which people can look up online. You just Google 1898 race riot report. And it will come up. She's the person behind that. She's in the film. And we have, like, three actual direct descendants of some of the victims of the 1898 massacre, like um, Alex Manley's grandson, Dr. Lewin Manley. He's in the mm-hmm. film. Uh, we have uh, Thomas C. Miller, who was a one of the wealthiest African Americans in Wilmington back in the 1890s. We have his great-granddaughter in the film as well. Uh, we also have um, Professor Sandy Darity from Duke University. He's actually contributed a um, towards research on the 1898 massacre, more in terms of the economic aspect, the economic um, impact of the riots and everything on African Americans. So, you know, we just have a slew of people. I wanted to really do this thing and get people who, first of all, knew what they were talking about, and right. also, you know, and also bring a different dynamic to it, because I know one a couple of people have tried to do a documentary on 1898, but they had the same type of people who have kind of written a couple of books here and there, you know, right. talking the same narrative. But I wanted this narrative to be, to come from the standpoint of the African-American experience and perspective on this, you know, and yeah. really, really show why reparations is definitely needed and need to be pursued. So I just wanted to really connect with people like that who who share that same mindset. Yes. And see, it's interesting because a couple points that I'd like you to touch on, we're going to come back to that last statement you made. But first, I want to address one of the people that you mentioned in the film is a descendant of Alex Manley. Please tell my listeners who exactly was Alex Manley, because that is critical to why there even is a story to tell. Well, Alex Bentley, uh, he was a you know African American man, um, but he was he was a mixed um, race. He could pretty much pass for white if he wanted to, but he he lived his life as a black man. And he was proud of it. Um, he had a newspaper in Wilmington. It was pretty much back then considered one of the the only black daily newspapers in the country. And he had one of the thriving black newspapers not only in Wilmington but throughout North Carolina, and. His he wrote uh, pretty much a controversial article. Some say he didn't write it, but it came from his paper, so he had to take the fall for it. And um, the article is pretty much about, you know, that black men really weren't raping white women, that white right. women actually wanted black men, you know, sexually. tried to tell them. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and um, that pretty much, you know, they a lot of white folks back then kind of used that to justify why they were lynching um, black men. And, you know, Alex Manley kind of wrote a rebuttal article, and the people behind the 1898 massacre, they said, okay, we're going to use this and use this as our main propaganda piece, you know, right. to just just put out all through North Carolina. And his business really was the first one that was attacked on November 10th, 1898, you know, during the massacre, they burnt it down. He pretty much got word of what they were going to do. They were actually going to kill him. 
but he got out the city early before they actually did, but they burned his newspaper press down. If, if anyone, like, research about 1898, his name always comes up in all the pictures when you see the white mob around the burnt-down building. That's his building that they burnt down. That was pretty much the start of the whole 1898 mess. Now, see, and that's why it's critical when you mentioned his name and his descendant being in the film, I wanted to make sure my listeners were well aware because it ties directly to the previous statement about why you feel reparations are necessary because a lot of people do not realize when black people start talking about reparations, it is not solely because someone was kidnapped. That is a component of it, but also because of all of the destruction, the restitution that needs to be paid for all of the business losses, all of the generational wealth that has been lost because of attacks like this. And we know that there has been, I guess, for the past 15 to 20 years in the U.S. Congress, there has been a bill that has been put forth time and again, and not even a bill for reparations. The bill is to develop a committee or a commission that would then study this to see if reparations for African Americans or people of African descent in America should be deemed necessary. And that bill has never been able to pass through and become law in Congress. And it also reminds me of the book The Debt that Randall Robinson wrote and why he, being such a politically active person and an Ivy League graduate, thought that reparations would be deemed necessary. But something that's critical with what Randall Robinson mentions is that people can't see. And the thing is that there are many people who don't want to see or cannot see wherein there has been or currently is a racial problem. So when you start talking about this commission that looked into what took place in Wilmington in 1898, and you mentioned numerous people who were part of writing the commission report, who've written books and all of this, and we know somewhere somebody listening right now has some course, most likely, wherein they're teaching about this particular dynamic and even in regard to race, and people like to have dialogues about race. But like I tell people, dialogues about race to racism. And so even with this four-year journey of you now bringing this before people to cause them to look at it and at least try to get them to see, to even be aware that this exists, have you found that people push back against you bringing up this topic and much less to bring it up then in conjunction with reparations? Well, you know, I think the majority of people have been very supportive. You know, um, um, I didn't realize how, you know, big of a following that we've built over the years. Uh, it still amazes me to this day that, you know, we have a lot of followers, just like the person who gave me the rest of the money. You know, he's he's a pro, he's a pro athlete, and I was surprised that he'd been following the film. So I was just shocked that all the people that we've, you know, the support, you know, we've gotten over the years. Well, you know, we've had a few that's been, like, saying that, well, you know, I like what you're doing, but, you know, the when you're talking about reparations and compensation, you know, that's where you kind of get me thrown off, and, you know. But I think they're just scared. And then, But when you actually break it down and tell them why reparations are needed and what type of reparations that we're talking about, right. then they kind of, okay, then they start to listen. 
you know, but th- that, that's what gets me is that Native Americans and, and everyone else get some type of reparation benefits from the government. But when it's time for black people to come to the table to get what's owed to them, then it's a problem. And I, yeah, I just, I, I still don't understand why is that. And what trips me out is that our own people a lot of time are against it. I understand, like, from the other side, okay, they might be against it. But what trips me out is that our own people be against, are are against it a lot of times. That's, that's what really gets me. But, you know, you just can't, you just have to ignore that and just keep, you know, going on, you know, and do and do what you have to do. Right, right. And now, would you not attribute some of the things where our people are against it or they just can't see it um, to the fact that there has been so much post-traumatic slave syndrome, much less the specific trauma that many of the people in Wilmington suffered and that collective consciousness from those who did have family members that weren't as blessed or to get out like Alex Manley got out in time before they killed him. There are many others who they know about it because their family members were murdered in that marsh right there in Wilmington. They were beaten bloody in those streets right there in Wilmington, and they have heard about this, the family members that survived it passed this knowledge down, but then the books have done an erasure in the North Carolina history classes, in the American history classes, and the films that have come out prior to now, and so on and so forth. This narrative, as you mentioned, has not been told. Do you think that that has some effect on why people may not even want to examine the topic that you're bringing up. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think it has a little bit to do with that. I think it's a combination of things. I think it has to do with that. Um, I also think it's just, you know, we just got some scared Negroes out here, you know. We just have to call it what it is. And, That's so you know, true. Um, <laughs> you know, and also, I don't know, I think, I think another thing is that, you know, black people, you know, we're real conservative. You know, a lot of times you will see that, you know, they'll have in the media saying that black people are always asking for handouts. Majority of black people don't really ask for anything. We just, just want a right. fair shake. You know, right. they always try to make it seem like it's us asking for a handout. I think that's what it is. I think people think that reparations means that you're asking for a handout. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. You know, you're asking for, you know, what's what's owed to you. Actually, actually we should be getting more, you know, saying that what we're, what we're ask, actually asking. You know, the the United States is really getting off cheap, honestly. <laughs> but but you know, I, I think those are the I think it's a combination of, of a lot of those things, you know, why a people ask this way. Definitely. And I know one of the biggest arguments has been, well, you know, look at what people will do with the money. They'll go right down to the car dealership. And, I mean, the reality is, just like you say, there's scared Negroes out here, there's hustling Negroes out here, and we know that that would be the case, that if you just gave a check to certain individuals, it would not end up being invested wisely. And what I mean by invested wisely is in land and in the ownership of those things that can continue to generate income for generations to come. So it would not be invested in generational wealth building, but it would be gener- it would generate more money for other people outside of our community because we become consumers. And yeah. so and see, we talk goes, about that in the film. We talk about talk the whole about reparation that. aspect. I know Umar, he breaks it down perfectly. I know he it. He talks about that. He says that, uh, you know, you know, the black descendants, you know, in Wilmington really shouldn't 
look for a uh, actual cash payout. He was right. saying because, you know, you want to invest in things, you know, like land and business ownership. Cause he was saying that, you know, white people know through economic science that if we get some money, since we don't have any businesses of our own to spend it, they'll just get that money right back, in the, you know, in about five or ten years. Yeah. So it's like, like he was saying, we have to be very strategic, you know, in our war for reparations. And like you said, you know, land ownership, um, you know, Free education, it's pretty much the same thing that a lot of Native American Absolutely. groups get. You know, free free education, health care, um, you know, different um, business grant and business loan opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. tax incentives where they can start businesses and don't really have to pay taxes, in, you know, in like two or three years. You know, it right. gives them a ground up to make up for all the, the disadvantages and impediments that has been, you know, pressed upon their people for hundreds of years. And it's very interesting because everything that you just said could be encapsulated in the word reconstruction. And see, that's part of the aspect of the discussions of reparations that most people don't have, is you are supposed to make whole again and then be able to have people benefit thereafter. And so that is what reconstruction was supposed to have been. And if we really look at the people that were here in the Gullah Geechee Nation from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, during the era of time that your film is initially set in, when we're talking about leading up to what became the Wilmington Race Riot period, we had all of these societies. We had secret societies. We had burial aid societies. We had even the Masons and the others who literally at that time were investing in the community in the way you're talking about to make sure Everyone got the education to make sure that if you need these farming tools to make sure your business is going to go forth, we got the money for you for that. You you had basically your own credit unions that were evolving at that time through these types of different societies. And all of these different you know, mutual aid societies and burial societies, you only hear of now if you are reading books from back at that turn of that century. And so many of these things went away by way of integration, and that's a topic you and I could talk about another time (laughs) on here because we'd be done talk film length (laughs) if we get into that uh, tonight. But definitely we don't want any of you, listen, this is how your schedule ought to go. You need to be going ahead and planning to come to St. Helena Island now. You need to be on St. Helena Island Thursday and Friday. Even if you're here for the parade on Saturday morning, you then have enough time to drive up to Wilmington from even St. Helena Island from Heritage Day and catch this film at the film festival, Wilmington on Fire, 345, on this coming Saturday, November the 14th. You could actually do it all. Now, if y'all say, all right, Queen, you know I ain't going to try to risk that on Saturday, then I would make all that driving, then be in traffic, and then, you know, I can't get in the brother's film. Y'all around there with all that water down there in the Gullah Geechee Nation, I might end up, you know, in some water. Then what happens? I'm like, okay, all right, no problem. Then you be here until Friday night. You finish the juke joint jam, and then you roll out. Go and roll out, you know. Or do what our ancestors were done, get them a few hours of sleep at 6 a.m., 
get on the road and go head on up there. And this way you can take in both things. You don't have to decide, I was going to go to South Carolina, but now I think I'll just go to North Carolina. You can actually take it all in and support all of these things because the work that's being done both in North Carolina and South Carolina this weekend is about enlightening our people. It is about getting the generations of today to Understand their past so they can go into the future. Sankofa, go back and fetch it. If one ain't know where one of the deer from, one ain't going to know where one of the wine. So this is why if you all say, well, okay, yeah, Queen Qued and Christopher Everett, oh, they so big into this history thing. I ain't never been much on history. Well, get into it because the people who have no knowledge of their history are destined to repeat the past. And we don't want to repeat negative past like these race rights. We do not want situations where if we do go ahead, we invest in land ownership, we invest in our businesses, we support one another, that a group of people can just decide on their own, burn us out, hang us, kill us, and get rid of us. And you all know I give my life to fighting for land ownership for Gullah Geechee's worldwide. And literally, it's not a fun ride. There's plenty of people who don't like me on account of that. But there are those who will support and do support the mission. And as Brother Christopher Everett mentioned with the person who gave money to his film, someone else who made a film called The Gullah, which will be showing as part of our Sea Island Film Festival here over the weekend. That gentleman gave money to the filmmaker because he said, if you're going to make a film that's going to benefit and help the work that's happening for Gullah Geechee's, I'll give you the money to finish that film. And so there are people out there who are willing to give. A lot of times, like you mentioned, they want to remain anonymous. But the point is, is that they give. And that's what we want you all to do. Give of your time this weekend and come support us here at the 33rd Annual Heritage Day Celebration. Then make your way up to North Kakalak. If you need that website again, it's C-U-C-A-L-O-R-U-S dot org. Make sure that you are there in Wilmington, North Carolina on Saturday. And so, Brother Christopher, are you going to be there? Are you going to dialogue with the people, or are you all going to just show the film? Oh, no, I'm going to be there. Um, I'll be there the, really the whole week. The festival actually starts Wednesday, and I'll be there, um, you know, Wednesday through Sunday. But, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely be there. I'm doing like a little Q&A afterwards. You know, I think, you know, people will have a few questions. And I'll be there, you know, um, right after we show the film to ask, you know, answer any questions. Also, um, I wanted to mention that, you know, we have a soundtrack as well um, yes. for the film. And, yes. um, you know, we have 13 great songs, um, a mixture of conscious hip-hop and spoken word, um, pretty much inspired by the film and also inspired by the 1898 the events of the 1898 massacre. And we're putting that out tomorrow because tomorrow is actually the anniversary of yes. the 1898 Wilmington Massacre. And we're putting that, putting that out, you know, for free for people to listen to it and stream it on um, soundcloud.com slash Wilmington on fire. That's soundcloud.com slash Wilmington on fire. Um, you can log on in the morning and it'll be up there and you can check it out and, you know, listen to it and, you know, all that. So you know, we're very proud of that. That was a, that was actually a separate project that me and um, one of the producers of the soundtrack, um, Sean Washington, we, decided to do something like that a couple of years ago while we were actually filming. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we did it, and we, we it turned out to be a great project. 
wonderful because I know that there have been some of our listeners that when you were first interviewed, Sister Sophia made sure to contact me and ask that Queen Quet, my people yeah, are she's from on Wilmington. Yeah, yes, yeah, and she, she was like, can you make an introduction? And so when you all connected and you said her piece was going to be one of the ones that would make it to the soundtrack, she was elated, and I am excited. And many of you who have been to the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival or you've kept up with Gullah Geechee TV, you have heard Sister Sufia on there presenting her spoken word. And so that's going to be a piece that I'm looking forward to hearing on here. I heard it when she first sent me a piece to say, would you introduce the brother to this, you know? But I definitely am looking forward to hearing not only hers again after these years, but also all the other artists that are on here because it is critical that once again, we kind of go back to old landmark because when I think about you having this soundtrack, I think about the other great soundtracks and musical scores that we used to hear in the 70s with some of the classic films, you know, even some of the ones that people call the black exploitation films now. How they had these popular, popular, you know, soundtracks and the musical scores sometimes were even, there were certain ways they did it on the score that you like, hey, that ain't on the soundtrack. I want that. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're going to be releasing the score um, probably next month. Um, We know we're going to do the soundtrack tomorrow, but um, we're going to actually release the film score probably next month. And um, I was very fortunate to um, linking up with a a talented um, composer. His name's uh, Matthew Head. He does, like, a lot of TV movies, and he's doing, like, a lot of um, other independent films as well. And uh, we linked up a few years ago. He's very talented. The score he did for the for the you know the whole film is great, and we're going to have that available. Because um you know I'm a fan of people like Spike Lee and others, and I know like you know growing up, a lot of times you know the score and the soundtrack was was better than the movie a lot of times. Right. You know, so <laughs> right. I'm from so I'm from that era. You know I've always you know when I say you know what when I do a project. I want it to be great all around. You know, not only right. film, but I want the soundtrack to be good. I want the score to be good as well. Because I used to, I used to buy scores, you know, scores and soundtracks as well. That's I still do, I do actually. <laughs> yes, that's films. what I do. Yes, if and I that, that's what I'm saying. On. You know, I, I try to do projects where, because I'm, I, I pretty much do projects on how I would want it as well as a consumer. Because I do the same thing. I buy scores. I buy soundtracks. You know, I buy movies as well. So when I try to do a project. I try to I put myself, you know, in the shoes of the consumer because I'm a consumer myself. So right, and see the great thing is at least tomorrow y'all won't have to consume. All you got to do is download. We want you to make sure get ready. Follow Wilmington on Fire on Facebook. Follow Wilmington on Fire on Twitter, and this way you will know exactly when they go ahead and drop this soundtrack on tomorrow, and this way you can go ahead and share it in your social media. We want you all to shut down the Internet, tuning into it, listening to it, sharing it with one another, because we want folks to definitely know that it's hot because Wilmington is on fire. And so before you leave the airwaves tonight, are there any other words and ways to connect that you want folks to know about? Uh, yeah, just, um, you know, people out there on social media, um, check us out on facebook.com slash Wilmington on fire. That's facebook.com slash Wilmington on fire. Um, we pretty much, we're building our website now. We're building WilmingtonOnFire.com right now, and that's going to have all the stuff, screenings, 
everything. You know, we're going to have like a little um, store on there where you can purchase like posters, T-shirts, et cetera, probably by the end of the month. But for right now, reach us at facebook.com slash Wilmington on Fire. Tomorrow, the soundtrack drops for the film, and that's going to be exclusively on soundcloud.com. That's soundcloud.com slash Wilmington on Fire. Thirteen songs originally done, you know, in regards and inspired by the film and also the events of the 1898 Massacre. And I just want everyone out there, if you can come, Come to the premiere screening on Saturday, November 14th, 3.45 p.m. at Thalian Hall, downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, for the premiere of Wilmington on Fire. And you can get tickets at kookaloris.org. Excellent, excellent. And we definitely are ready to follow you, and we'll be right there tweeting and Facebooking tomorrow with soundcloud.com slash Wilmington on Fire so people can take a listen. But tonight, make sure that you also follow us at Gullah Geechee Nation on Facebook. We'll be reposting some more of the clips from the film itself that is going to premiere this coming Saturday. My brother Christopher Everett, you keep it hot. Keep the fire blazing and definitely keep the people thinking about our story. Definitely proud of you. I'm looking forward to my T-shirt, my poster, and my DVD in the mail after all these years now. Um, so, you know, I give you till the end of the month. But, you know, it better be here before Kwanzaa. I got to the end of the month. I got to get <laughs> right. in some more. <laughs> all right. So, definitely, I would be right there with you. If I could do a hologram of myself, I'd be up there during the screening while I'm also here co-chairing the Heritage Day celebration. But we definitely going to bring you down to St. Helena Island later on in the year and, God willing, get you to Charleston with it because folks definitely want to meet you in person. And our festival will be coming up there in August again. So now is the time we can relink and folks can go ahead and start to get ready, get geared up. This is going to be the one you do not want to miss. And black history is every day. So don't say, well, how come we ain't wait till February to release it? Black history is every day. And so definitely we need to continue to learn it and we need to continue to share it. My brother, thank you for doing that. And you know I'm going to hit you up on Facebook. We always on there, and I'll definitely see you there and looking forward to seeing you in person real soon. So peace and blessings and stay strong. I hope it's an outstanding premiere on Saturday. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And like I said, I will be posting photos and, you know, live, you know, video, you know, stuff and everything just throughout the whole screening. So everyone log on to Facebook.com slash Wilmington on Fire so you can, you know, check out everything, see what's going on. Will do. Excellent, excellent. So for all my fans here, make sure if you can't come through on Saturday, just continue to keep up with everything. You can email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com as well for the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, and we will add you to our database so that this way you can get emails about the various things that are going on and the other places where the film will be showing. But make sure that you go to Facebook, 
dot com and follow Wilmington on Fire. Go to Facebook dot com and follow both the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition and the Gullah Geechee Nation. The Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition will be the sponsors of the Sea Island Scenes Film Festival as we've done for many, many years now and we will have this coming up on Friday from 9 to noon at the St. Helena Branch Library here on St. Helena Island and also from 11 to 5 on Saturday and this is totally free to the community so there will be a number of different documentaries that will be shown. We know we won't have Wilmington on Fire because that's going on in North Kakalaki. So we want you to go there and definitely be part of the premiere. But we have a number of different documentaries that people have asked us about over the years, have had a lot of questions, and there are several people who are part of new documentaries that have just been made that will also be there to meet and greet everyone who comes out to support it. And that part of the Heritage Day celebration is free. And if you want to get tickets to all of the other activities that are going on from Thursday through Saturday night, make sure that you go to Eventbrite and type in 33rd Annual Heritage Day Celebration or Heritage Day St. Helena Island. It will pop right up. VIP passes, you only got a couple more days because those won't be on sale at the gate. They will not be on sale at the gate so that you can get a $60 ticket to cover every single activity. We still have room for more RVs. If you want to do RV registration, you can do it there as well. And also we have our Gullah Geechee Research and Gullah Geechee Roots Symposium. That will happen for free also at the St. Helena Branch Library on Friday from 1 until 4. And so there's a number of other things, including our Juke Joint Jam with Jeff Floyd. Again, related, happy belated birthday to you, Brother Jeff. We know you on your way from Jayville to St. Helena Island. There's a great party celebrating with you, and we want you all to come here and celebrate with all of we this year how we do. This year, Saturday at Heritage Days, for sure, the parade will start it off in the morning. Keep in mind that the road on to St. Helena will close at 8 a.m. Highway 21 will close at 8 a.m. It will not reopen until the parade ends at 10.30, roughly. But Martin Luther King Drive will be closed until 1 o'clock. So if you don't get on to St. Helena and park your car at St. Helena Branch Library, Penn Center, or our Leroy E. Brown Service Center before 8 a.m., you're going to be walking from that corner now. Don't get upset. We're just letting you know. So make sure, otherwise you'll have to go a long detour around at the point that the parade even opens up. So you definitely want to already be inside, be there, and help us celebrate Sea Island Roots, a celebration of reconnection, and definitely support our story going to the big screen. This is what it's all about, is self-determination in the Gullah Geechee Nation. And we pay our ancestors true due homage when we come together, we support one another, and we continue to support projects like this that are coming up. So that the next generation does know from whence they come so that we have another generation of filmmakers and self-sustaining individuals in the future. And you know that's what I'm all about every day, all the time. This year the Queen Quit, head upon the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. Thank you, thank you, Hona Chillin, for tuning in to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. See Hona at the celebration, and hope you have fun at the screening of Wilmington on Fire. <laughs> 